Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark. I serve as Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. Rollins Around Town is a showcase of outstanding people who make dynamic and important contributions to the Rollins campus and throughout Central Florida. In either case, these are difference makers who help uplift the mission and brand of Rollins and who help make our region a special place to live, learn, and work. Today, I am delighted to welcome Marisa Worley as our guest. Marisa is a friend and a fellow Rollins graduate. She graduated magna cum laude from Rollins and holds her certificates in nonprofit management and leadership practice from the Edith Bush Institute. She currently serves as executive director of Edible Education Experience, a nonprofit that is on a mission to empower students and their communities through seed-to-table experiences. Prior to joining Edible Education Experience, Marisa served as the Director of Development and Marketing for A Gift for Teaching. Her career also featured several years with the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, Massey Communications, now Moxie, and the Florida Theatrical Association. And for those who know a little bit about my background, the Chamber and Moxie, are also on my resume. She had the talent to work there, but the smarts did not be there when I was there. So uh, good work by you, Marisa. (laughs) Great to see you. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Sam. Thanks for welcoming me. I appreciate that. And no, not my good fortune. I would have loved to have worked with you during those times, but paths didn't quite cross that way those times. (laughs) That's right. My loss. Well, uh, glad to have you. Give us your quick backstory before we get into some of your Rollins life and and current life experiences. Where'd you grow up and and really how did you get to Rollins? Sure. I grew up in Melbourne Beach on the east coast of Florida and uh, loved my time on the beach. You know, I was one of the kids that grew up playing in the sand and the waves, not climbing trees. So that was slightly foreign to me. Um, And I knew that I wanted to major in theater somewhere. I wanted to go far from home, and originally my plans were to go to a school maybe in North Carolina or the D.C., Virginia area. Um, I knew, though, I didn't want to go to just a performing arts school. I wanted to have more of a broad spectrum of uh, classes that I could study as well. And then uh, Rollins popped on the radar, and I thought, okay, well, that's a little close to home, but maybe I'll go visit it. I had been here one summer for a dance and drill camp, and um, even though I love dance, my idea of fun was not waking up at 5 a.m. and (laughs) go, go, go. (laughs) And back then, a long time ago, the food wasn't as stellar as it is now here on campus. So it wasn't the best experience, but coming back to a new light and seeing it in the eyes of, oh, there are students on campus. This is how it's um, active. The new campus center had been built. I thought, oh, this is nice. And as soon as I stepped on stage at the Annie Russell Theater, I thought, yes, I would like to perform here. So I think I would like to go to Rollins. That's amazing. So talk about your experiences here. Um, You know, talk a little bit about, you know, the faculty and student learning environment that you experienced as a student. Yes, I absolutely loved my time at Rollins. Um, Just from that, you know, small student-teacher ratio I thought was so impactful. I loved um, all of my theater professors and those experiences I had even back performing the old Fred Stone, which now I can't wait to see the new Tidke Hall. Um, But even my other classes, being able to have those different subjects and learn from such amazing professors, but in that intimate setting, 
and being able to study everything and anything from, you know, critical media studies to focusing on English for a while. Um, even I minored in business administration, just I thought, yeah. okay, I've got theater, but maybe need something a little practical. And I remember I was not a fan of accounting, those classes, but I absolutely loved my professor, Sherry Fisher. She was amazing and just, you know, made it so worthwhile and helped us understand it, even those of us that, you know, maybe that wasn't our forte. Right. Um, so, you know, we made these connections, and I'm still in touch with her to this day. So I think that is very powerful at Rollins, being able to not just form bonds with fellow students or, um, you know, I was in Kappa Delta sorority and those types of extracurricular activities, but that professor relationship, being able to have that, I think, you know, bodes so well for so many students. Yeah, for sure. You, you mentioned a couple of them, but what, what else did you do out of the classroom? I mean, so what was your extracurricular profile? And, I, and you were telling us a little bit, you had your own show here too. I did. Yeah. I did. <laughs> um, my senior year, I had a show on WPRK, which was fun, you know, just a nice little outlet to, to have some fun and be creative. Um, because, you know, yes, I spent a lot of time in the theater, but outside of that, you know, participating in Student Government Association. I think my first couple of years here, I was a work study for, at the time it was called the Student Involvement and Leadership Office. Okay. Um, back then it worked with Donna Lee, actually. Great. And um, what else was I involved in? Dance, of course. And then when I uh, decided to, yes, I think I'll, I'll do the rush thing. At first I was very skeptical. I didn't see myself as a sorority girl, but I think, I'm not sure if that's still the case here at Rollins, but back then being able to, it, rush in the spring it wasn't yeah. the moment you step foot on campus and you don't know anything you don't know anybody that's you know a lot to take in right. so the fact that I had a whole semester to get to know people and then finding out that some of my fellow theater majors were actually in sororities that didn't make sense to me but <laughs> then it did I thought oh okay this is a little different than I had originally imagined it in my head or heard about other colleges and universities so being able to have that experience I loved it and it gave me another outlet to a different group of people that I wasn't necessarily interacting with every day in my classes. Right. I ask this to all Rollins um, alumni when they're on the show. Where, where do you think, if you had to break it down, you know, by a ratio, where, where, where did you learn the most? In the classroom, out of the classroom now, you know, whatever you are, almost 20 years out, can you look back and say, I, you know, I learned a little more here, a little more there? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I think honestly, it honestly it was the whole ecosystem. Yeah, um, being able to live on campus, become really integrated in this community. You know, being away from home for the first time, and then when I lived in the Kappa Delta House, learning to live closely with another group of um, girls. I think that you learn a lot there too. <laughs> but it was a little of everything, and you know, I think. I graduated 20 years ago now, so it, things have changed since. And what I give so many kudos to Rollins for now especially is the real push for internships for all of the students, not just the business majors, and getting involved in the community more, understanding the community more. I think when I was a student, I understood that, yes, Park Ave is right there, and I'd go across the street and you know, occasionally pop into shops and whatnot, but I didn't really understand the Winter Park community. It right. wasn't until I graduated and decided, oh, I like this area, I will stay. 
then how do I start networking? But it wasn't necessarily ingrained in me back then, but I think it is now in the students and having so many more opportunities uh, to present to members of the community too. I know I volunteered recently um, for the summit. I can't remember the name of it, but um, to review a lot of presentations and have those connections with the students and them realizing that, oh, well, there's not just people from Rollins here. There's people outside in the community that you know, are connected and can give me feedback. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So what's your transition, right? You're a senior, second semester senior. Did you know what you were going to do? Did you start to look for specific jobs and internships? Or, you know, what sort of was the transition from your senior year to first job? Yeah, had no idea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I did know, though, that I did not want to go to New York to be a starving artist like many of my other theater major friends were doing and I gave them so many kudos for you're going to go do it you love it that's your 100% passion I think again coming into Rollins knowing I want to go to a liberal arts school I want to learn more outside of my major my horizons were opened up a little bit more for me. At the same time, it made it more difficult to decide what do I do now? (laughs) But, um, you know, I thought, well, I, I think I can be successful in multiple ways, not just going down this theater path. And I, I didn't like that starving artist (laughs) idea. So, um, like I said, I loved this area. So I decided to stay here and, you know, got a First retail job at the loft in Winter Park Village. Nice. Thought, oh, I can build, you know, my my wardrobe <laughs> at a discount. Okay, this is happening. Um, and then I, I did start networking. Um, Peg O'Keefe, who was a professor here at the time, she introduced me to the Women in Film and Television group and uh, started meeting people locally. And uh, then I got connected with the Florida Theatrical Association who are the nonprofit Broadway presenters of the entire Broadway series that's now at the Dr. Phillips Center. Right. Back in those days, it was the Bob Carr. Yes. But um, got connected with them. They had an entry-level role that was opened. I thought, okay, well, I love theater. I know about theater. This will marry my business minor and my major together and let me learn some more. And so I, I started working there. On the side, I did have a couple of agents. I was doing, you know extra work here and there, and then realizing, okay, I think a full-time job would probably be more <laughs> beneficial and benefits and all of that. Right. Um, so a full-time position did open up there, and then I went more the PR route. Um, I had been the VP of PR for Kappa Delta, and with my marketing classes through my business minor, I thought, okay, that might be a good way to follow more into a career. So I, I focused on PR with the Broadway series, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. friends of mine said, wow, you get to ride around in limos with stars from all these <laughs> shows that come into town and do radio interviews and TV interviews, and that's so much fun. And after you know a while of doing that, I thought, well, okay, four and a half years, my first job out of college, that's a pretty good, good. stint. Yeah. But I want to learn more, expand my horizons outside of only theater, and what's next? And a lot of people thought I was crazy for giving up those limo rides and interviews. But I thought, well, yeah, but I have to get up at 5 a.m. to do those. So that's not always fun. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's when I, I said, OK, what's next? And at that point, I had learned more about networking and gone to uh, PRSA events, FPRA events as well, uh, networking in the PR field. 
And then eventually I was connected to you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Back in the ch my chamber days. Yes. Yeah. So that That's was wonderful. Fantastic. Just, you know, being connected to you and being told, oh, Sam knows everyone and you're both <laughs> Rollins alums. So go talk. And thanks to you, then I got connected to some PR agencies and ended up landing what now you turned into Moxie. Yeah, so. that's amazing. What a sm small town, small world. Yes. But I also, you know, it, at its core, it speaks to the power of Rollins. Yes. You know, um, we're, we're just one example, but I hear it. I see it um, so many ways. Uh, I, I assume you do too. And, you know, it's not a comparison, but do you have hi other high school friends who you just feel like they don't have that? Like they're just, it's just not quite as um, uh, deeply connected. Yes. No, yeah. I, I would agree with that. It's it's different. And most of my high school friends went to major universities a lot in Florida, but it was those massive places where I knew I didn't want to go. I knew I wanted to go to a small school where I wasn't just a number and I could have those relationships with yeah. students and professors. And then it has been so connected. And, you know, I'm sure staying in this area helped even more with those Rollins yeah. connections. But I know alumni across the country have those relationships too, which yeah. is fantastic. So, but, but you're at Edible Education. We'll get to that. You spent uh, a good amount of time at a Gift for Teaching, a really yes. important um, community organization. Can you talk a little bit about that? There's also another deeper connection uh, with Ed Bustos, one of our mutual friends and, and uh, one of our leaders in our uh, admissions and enrollment um, office. Talk a little bit about, you know, what a Gift for Teaching is. Sure. Um, you know, when I was at the chamber and looking to what's next in my career path, it was actually uh, Cindy Bowman LaFrance, who worked here, yes. <laughs> who had connected me to a gift for teaching at first. And, you know, I, yes, I had dappled in nonprofit a bit, but hadn't really thought of it as a career path at that point um, in my life, but got connected to the president there, Jane. And, you know, it's such an important mission in this community that, is providing school supplies and resources to public school teachers for high-need students. And, um, you know, I think Orange County schools, being the ninth largest school district in the nation, a lot of people don't realize that yeah. how massive it is, how geographically massive Orange County is, too. It's a very large uh, footprint. And so, you know, with the population, I don't know the exact numbers now since I've been out of that world for a bit, but at the time it was, you know, at least 60% or more students that were on free and reduced lunch mm -hmm. and going to school and not being able to afford to eat, let alone how are they going to afford school supplies. And um, I, my husband and I, we have a son of our own who entered the school system this yeah. year, OCPS, and, you know, realizing now being in it and just the, the needs that the students have to bring to the classroom, but then, you know, the teachers, they're working so hard, they don't have the bandwidth to do all of that too. So, that's where a gift for teaching comes into play with being able to provide those supplies free of charge to teachers for the students. Right. And, um, you know, I was there for a few years and then uh, Cindy was moving away. She had been on the board and then we started talking with Ed Bustos and I knew he loved the idea of a gift for teaching. And soon that transition happened where he joined the board and now yep. he's the board chair. Oh, that's he's very impressive. Yeah. Great group. <laughs> I know you learned a lot. I know you were in a position where you had a lot of offers and opportunities, um, but you ended up recently being the executive director now at Edible Education Experience. Tell us what Triple E is. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, Triple E. Um, so it is a small nonprofit located in the College Park neighborhood, so just 
hop, skip, and a jump away from here. And um, it was originally founded very grassroots with um, working with a school that's right across the street from the campus of Edible Ed, trying to teach children, students, how to grow their own food from a garden. And what do we do with that food then? Okay, this is where a carrot comes from because so many kids and I'm finding adults don't realize (laughs) (laughs) where some produce comes from. Um, Yeah, Publix. It just magically appears in Publix or some it's in a can or it's frozen. But what is the root literally of that? And um, that started there with that school soon that turned into, I don't know if you ever dined at K Restaurant in College Park. Mm -hmm. Chef Kevin Fonzo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he got involved in that and said, okay, well, how do we take this the next step from garden to the kitchen? He started working with their cafeteria and in the kitchen as well. Very grassroots, you know, didn't have the right equipment, but how do we just you know, inspire these kids? That quickly turned into Chef Emeril Lagasse visiting uh, Chef Kevin, doing a piece for his show at K, and then Chef Kevin saying, hey, why don't you come over to this local school, see what we're doing here? So Emerald got there. He saw it. He saw Brad Jones, one of the founders who started the garden as well. And that turned into, wow, this is amazing. How do, how do you expand this? My foundation has money. You guys need a building. Wow. So <laughs> Emerald Lagasse, you know, saying, yes, I want to put up some capital funding. Um, then Advent Health came to the table with the other half of that capital funding and the kitchen house, as we fondly call it, <laughs> was then built. The uh, ribbon-cutting grand opening was back in 2017. So now we are just about to enter our sixth year in the kitchen house. And it's a, a beautiful building. It was really thoughtfully designed for the purpose of that, you know, outside culinary garden where kids can get their hands in the dirt and really understand it all, then harvest their ingredients, bring it into the kitchen and learn those life skills hmm. uh, that so many people don't have. You know, most right. people don't necessarily know how to properly cut a carrot, for right. example. Or how do you then take that and make it into more than just a carrot, this meal that's going to nourish your soul and then gather around a table at the end and have share this meal with your friends as well and right. have this conversation and see how you feel. So it, it's all about, you know, teaching life skills that embrace wholeness. And Mm. since then, obviously there was the pandemic (laughs) and uh, things had to change with the organization. So a lot of programming had to try to figure out how to do virtual and the team definitely mastered that. Um, We still do some virtual programming, but when I started last year and things coming out of the pandemic, you know, I looked at it and thought, okay, this is this tiny little gem that's so special that not enough people know about. Right. Um, and if as anybody that comes to our facility, they walk on, I'll say campus, it's tiny, but say, wow, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. How is this in College Park? And it is a culinary garden. It's um, We want to inspire people too to understand that you're able to grow all of these different things together in this ecosystem. In College Park, it's, it's our front yard essentially. Right. So you could go down the street in College Park and you might not have as big a lot as we do. But again, it it is residential. So you could easily grow pineapples next to beans, next to bananas, and understand that it all works together. Interesting. Yes, I've so learned a lot. <laughs> I bet. 
Is your core audience schools, uh, Orange County Public Schools? That's a great question. Um, so for a long time, the focus had been um, Orlando Junior Academy. There's proximity. That's how it started. Okay. And then it moved into also educating adults uh, with some nightly different offerings throughout the month. Uh, then shifted into doing some employee wellness-based classes with some local large employers as well. And um, fortunately enough, our organization, we were able to receive a grant from Orange County government that's been able to expand our offerings to students. So when I started, we were working with students from the Pace Center for Girls, Great Oaks Village as well. Um, Through my connections and those that I've previously worked with, we soon started working with the Orlando After School All Stars mm-hmm. out of College Park Middle School. That's been so wonderful working with those students. We've even been able to do some classes for Lighthouse Center students yeah. for visually impaired, which has been fascinating for our team to learn how to teach differently to those students. And um, also Coalition for the Homeless and being able to provide these services to at-risk youth that might not otherwise uh, receive them, which is great. Also, we do something in the summer called Teachers Academy, and last year, thanks to our funder, we were able to give this academy to the teachers free of charge, and we targeted four different schools from Orange County Public Schools um, to just sort of try this test pilot and see, okay, if we focus on these, bring three teachers in from each of those schools, how do we give them enough lessons to bring back to their classroom and be able to integrate? Because through the garden, through cooking, it also integrates math. You're doing fractions. Right. Um, it integrates science as well. History. There's so much history about the history of food and origin. Um, and, of course, English as well. So yeah. it all relates. Um, and with that funding, you know, we opened it up to saying, well, teachers, bring your students back for field trips as well. So we're working on starting those this spring with those teachers. Um, and now through other relationships and grants, we're trying to integrate more with other students also so we are accessible to everyone but we um, have a lot of homeschool groups that come to us and that's been going on for quite a while Mm -hmm. Um, and then we offer camps as well so in over spring break we'll do a a day camp for four hours in the summertime we'll do week-long summer camps as well and we take children uh, as young as seven years old wow so, yeah, we're trying to, you know, seven up to 100 or however yeah. old you are and want to learn more. So how has your uh, Rollins business minor helped you, right? <laughs> I mean, there's obviously the awesome programming and, and the actual food side of it, but you're running a business yes. and you're running a, an organization with people and boards and spreadsheets. How's how how's the, you know, the sort of the business side of the organization? Yes, no, that's a great question. And I think a lot of People might just think, oh, nonprofits, they're easy. No, it's still a business. It's nonprofits with tax status, but (laughs) you're still running a business and you have to be able to understand how all of that works. Um, So that's been very helpful (laughs) (laughs) having my my business background. Um, But then, of course, the classes that I've continued to take uh, throughout these past probably 10 years through Edith Bush Institute, um, focusing on those nonprofit classes as well. And then, you know, even my time at A Gift for Teaching, being able to be in those converse, conversations at that senior management level about, you know, I was setting budgets every year and understanding how those flowed. And yes, Edible Ed might be a smaller organization, but we're very complex. <laughs> <laughs> no um, you know, we're, we're an education 
space, but we also are focusing on health with these employee health wellness classes. We even just started classes for Advent Health physicians uh, focusing on culinary medicine, which is a whole other facet. And then we've got, you know, the culinary arts and working with great chefs in the area to monthly host chef nights. Um, And we're also a building that we rent out as well. So many different lines of business. Um, A lot goes into the budget and the planning. And, you know, I was able to build up my team a little bit last year to expand that. And, um, you know, again, it's how do we how do we push forward this mission that's really important that a lot of people might not think about so much, um, but also push forward this beautiful space and almost continuing education, yeah. so to speak. How about in the marketplace? In other words, like, do, do you find that there's, is there competition in your space? Is there collaboration or is it somewhere in between? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm always one for collaboration, right. honestly. And, you know, how, how do we work with others that are, that are focusing on culinary arts or this nutrition side of wellness as well? Um, you know, there's other nonprofits in the area like Hebney Nutrition. They do a lot of fantastic work. Uh, the Winter Park Center for Health and Wellbeing yeah. that the Winter Park Health Foundation operates, um, they do a classes probably once a week maybe and some of them are focused in their kitchen the and we're trying to figure out a partnership with them too the difference with them is their kitchen is more of this demo kitchen right which means you know you've got a chef demoing speaking and you can have some people around watching or people watching at home they've got some great um av equipment set up there whereas we are yes we're small but we're hands-on. Mm-hmm. So we've got these four butcher block tables and we can handle up to 18 students at a time. Still small, but students are in there actually. Their kids are using knives. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we've got safety <laughs> knives for the really young ones, but they're learning those proper skills hands-on. Um, so how do we all work together on these really important missional topics, but I think there is room for so much collaboration, um, even with Four Roots coming off the ground, too. I was just, I, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if I was going to ask you about yeah. that or not. I mean, that's a massive yes. project mm-hmm. and initiative yep. with a lot of space and a, and a big dream. I, we, we saw them recently at a Orange County uh, presentation that they gave, and mm-hmm. it's sort of a jaw-dropper, like what they yeah. have visioned. Yes, and and that's the thing. I think there's there's space for everyone, and I think there's ways to align and collaborate. We just have to figure all of that out. And I know their mission is on more farming agriculture side. You know, we don't have a farm. We've got a garden. Yes, culinary garden. So things are growing in there that we're focused on edible, hence our name. Um, But, you know, maybe we're more for those smaller, intimate experiences where we can go really deep with things, especially in the kitchen as well. Um, Masses of Massive loads of bus loads of kids will be able to go to their campus, which we, we obviously can't handle that. Right. But I think there's lots of room for conversations. And the idea of culinary medicine, too, is becoming so prominent um, in this country now and also this community. And yeah. I think there's a lot of room for growth and collaboration. That's amazing. What's your, you know, what's your snap your fingers and make it happen wish for oh. the organization? <laughs> I mean, and, and I'll, well, I'll, I'll ask that now for the immediate. Mm-hmm. Like, if you could do anything today and it just happened, appeared, what is it? What would it be? Mm-hmm. Well, we're about to go into strategic planning with our board, which I think is very important. So we have clear direction on the way we want to go with everything. But, um, you know, SNAP funding. 
Yeah. That's going to be number one. Um, this organization for a long time had operated on the model of, okay, homeschool groups are coming in. So, you know, there's a cost to have your child attend this class. Um, even our monthly chef nights or culinary curiosities where adults are more hands-on with those with a different local expert on a subject matter, you know, there's a cost to that too. But how do we expand that even beyond the scholarships that we're giving or the one major grant we have? How do we get more in touch with the community and figuring out, you know, funders that, yes, okay, I want to, I, I'm okay funding operations and realize you need some more people in order to do X, Y, Z in order to grow more. Yeah. And no matter what, you know, we're never going to be massive in the space we are, but how can we do more in this community? And because we ha are such a small team, and when we have a class in the morning and then a rental at night, you know, we're tapped. We can't do anything else. Right. We, we can't go right. out and speak to others or, you know, go out to have New York and work with them, for example. Um, so, so how can we do more of that? But it comes down to funding, of course. And my role, yes, my background, obviously, is fundraising and marketing and all that. Um, but because as an executive director, operations is so heavy, that's so much of a focus for right now. Yeah. Um, and so if you don't have the time to devote to the other, how do you get the funds? Right. Vice versa. <laughs> so five, ten years from now, um, what's what's the big vision? You know, can you be all around the state? Can you have offices in 10 counties in this region? Like, do you, do you think about that? Or you, I mean, I, I know you're hyper-focused on tomorrow, mm -hmm. you know, and today. <laughs> but um, do you think about, like, what, what could it be? Yeah, we have thought about that, honestly. And, yeah. you know, there have been people that come from out of town and visit our uh, kitchen house and say, oh, my gosh, can you put one of these in our community? And that has been a topic. Even one of our board members was... I believe in South America last spring and having a conversation about, oh my gosh, that's so cool what you're doing in Orlando, bring it here. So I, th I think we could dream big and how do we, you know, wrap our arms around what are we really focused on? Like I mentioned, so many lines of business right now, but what is that main focus? And then if we say, yes, there is that desire for this and our desire is to spread this knowledge, this education, this feeling of wholeness and community building, not just within Central Florida, but throughout our country. I think that's so important now, especially since COVID. Yeah. Can't wait to watch your progress and success. And they're really lucky to get you and have you leading. So uh, Thank you. enjoy that. How can people learn more about it or, 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 or sort of check in and, and you know, learn more from uh, Edible Education Experience? Sure. Visit our website, edibleed.org. And sign up for our e-newsletter. That's always the best way to know about upcoming classes. Um, we're also on Facebook and uh, Instagram as well, social yep. media-wise. Um, and then also, if you are local and pick up the latest edition of the Edible Orlando magazine, uh, there is a piece on us in there as well, so you can read a little bit more oh, about some of the things we do also. Very good. People should uh, check that out for sure. Uh, as as we s sort of start to get to a close, talk talk about Rollins around town. In other words, they know that's the name of the show. Like, what does Rollins around town mean to you? Not the show. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, really, the question kind of at its core is, what would Central Florida be like without Rollins? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think back to when I worked at the chamber um, and really 
trying to integrate as much with Rollins as possible and the city of Winter Park mm-hmm. and sort of that town and gown concept. And, you know, let's let's cross over Fairbanks. Let's do things together. Let's, you know, let Rollins students utilize the gallery in the Winter Park Welcome Center to showcase that. Let's get Rollins interns in. I know at the time, I think it was UCF had been very robust in their internship programs, but let's get some more Rollins students. Even at Edible Education Experience now, I know we've had some Bonner students come and volunteer with us too. And how do we get more of that? Yes, we're a little further away, but not that much. And um, how do we as alumni or just as the community in general know that Rollins students have so much to offer and think about things differently? Um, It is that more of that strategic thinking and putting all the dots together and making those connections. And I think that's what really can help our community, help our world, yeah. um, and not just be siloed in things, but how do how do we make those connections and how do we embrace them too? Because they'll be graduating and, um, you know, you and I can attest to that are very good employees. That's so. right. <laughs> that's exactly right. I love that. Anything else I didn't ask or that you want to share either about adult education or, or any other hot topics or things worth sharing? No, I think this this has been great, and I hope folks that are listening to this may not have heard of Edible Education Experience before but now are intrigued yes. and want to check us out and, you know, stop by too. And College Park, we're on the corner of King Street and Muscle White, okay. pretty close to Formosa. Um, and it is, it's in the neighborhood, but it's a beautiful house looking building. Um, yeah. And you'll see how pretty it is. And stop by the Culinary Garden. Brad Jones, one of our founders and garden educator, he's always happy to speak to someone that stops by and how do we make those connections and tie in. Um, and if you're inspired as well, you know, there's of course an opportunity to donate to our nonprofit mission on our website, edibleed.org. Good. Always good to mention that. Um, we'll close with the question I ask Rollins guests all the time is, you know, when you were here, did you have a special place on campus? Like what was sort of your getaway spot just to just sit and, you know, decompress, just take a moment, any, uh, any place on campus that you had in that, um, in, in that space for, for, for your mind and your well being when you were a student? It was probably the gazebo that's, I don't know if it's still there actually, but near the <laughs> campus center on the lake. The one that's right there between uh, the library and yeah. the campus. Yeah, it's still there. Yes. Still yes. there. Good always spot. loved, always loved that spot. Um, and I do remember too. Even um, I think there used to be one. I don't know on the other side of campus too. Maybe be- behind the new Lakeside Community. I don't know if that's still there either. That I in one of my directing classes, we were, I was directing something, but doing it outside and yeah. using that space too. So water, gazebo, I've always yes. been drawn to that probably well, growing up on the ocean. Girl, yes, right. a little different on the lake, but still <laughs> it gives me something. That's right. <laughs> well, this has been fantastic. Uh, Marisa Worley, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for being uh, such a great addition to the community and a good friend of mine. And um, just wish you all the best. And uh, thanks for being here with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Special thanks to Kalani, who's our student running the board. High five. Um, Really appreciate you keeping us uh, on the air and getting this uh, put up for our podcast. So to keep updated on all of our shows and guests, 
Follow us on Facebook at Rollins Around Town and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. With that, we wish you a great day in Winter Park. Thanks.